STEM Minds. Welcome back to STEM Minds. Today I'm joined by Abigail Foster, founder of Alent, a business born out of a desire for change. It provides financial education to young people and businesses. Abigail believes personal finance has been a hidden secret for way too long and change will only occur in the equality gaps if we educate everybody. Today, Abigail is going to share her wonderful wisdom on financial education and we're going to deep dive into the topics that matter to university students the most, cost of living tips and how to manage finances at university. Welcome to the podcast, Abigail. I'm so excited to delve into the topic of financial education and offer some advice to our listeners for managing their finances throughout the cost of living crisis. Could you begin by introducing yourself, your background and where Alent fits into all of this? Thank you so much for having me, Kira. It's brilliant to be here and chatting to you, of course. So my name is Abigail Foster. I am the founder and CEO of Elent Financial Education. As a company, we go to schools and beyond all over the UK teaching financial education to the next generation, the finance you wish you'd had at school. And why are you so passionate about financial education? What does it all mean to you? Passionate. So I am really passionate about financial education as I honestly believe it can make real change. I believe that we some of the inequality gaps we face in society today, so things like the gender pay gap, the gender pension gap and beyond can be eradicated using financial education. If we can teach the next generation the things that we wish we'd learn, we'll just see dramatic changes in confidence around money, the money mindset, and then also just the fundamental financial literacy will increase, creating like a ripple effect to social problems that we face right now. And why do you think financial education is looked over as part of the curriculum? Why is it not shouted about when we all know that it should be? (laughs) That's great. So it really should be. And I would say this, obviously, as an accountant myself, I think that it should be everywhere and everyone should know it. And obviously, it's all part of my business. But I think the one reason it's overlooked is it's the complexities. So it's ever changing. And I appreciate that for teachers, it's been something that in the last few years has been a real hot topic and it's kind of just been placed on their laps. And the topic's ever changing. So financial year is different to our calendar year, which can be quite difficult to get people's heads around. Taxes are constantly changing. We have, you know, budgets coming in from all different politicians that constantly changing and no one really knows where they stand. So it can feel like a really tricky subject to even just like talk about, let alone start implementing into a curriculum for the next generation. And obviously, I know the incredible things that you do, but what typically do you do with Alent? How do you help schools? Yeah, so I go into schools from year two. So really, really young, but I love it. They're, they are sometimes my favorite years. And all the way through to year 13. So that's just within the school sectors that I do. And I teach in year two, we talk about things like inflation and understanding the price of goods. And then all the way through to year 13, where we're literally tackling everything. So understanding your first pay slip, what do pensions mean? What do you do with your savings? Because those final years of school, you are really turning into the adult that you will become. And if we just release every adult into the working world without this financial knowledge, we will end up with lots more like money worries and it will impact their mental health which in turn affects everything we do. So I think that teaching these skills to the sixth form age group is really, really important because you need to make sure that they are set up for life. Especially those that are then going on to university, I guess. So they're set up with the foundations. 
Mm, of course of course and also like you say you know uni students as well and having those life skills because university is like your first step into having financial independence really and not having those skills pre-uni can be quite stressful and you know leave you with another added stress that you just don't need uni is stressful enough without the money worries absolutely I wish I had more of sort of financial guidance when I went to university because I remember not understanding student loans and being frustrated with obviously how that all works and then getting my first loan and being like whoa I've never had that much money before (laughs) in one go and then just being like hmm (laughs) yeah student loans are a minefield I actually so I teach obviously the intricacies of it to pre-uni students who are six women's in colleges but I also teach a workshop for parents on student loans so with Ellen we go to schools and we try and do a big rounded approach by teaching students staff and parents and the parent workshop always goes down really well because if we think we don't understand it try your parents who might not have even gone to university trying to wrap their head around something that might not necessarily affect them but it's going to affect their child and a lot of them don't realize that their income affects the loan that their child can have as a maintenance loan as it's means tested So that is a real revelation to a lot of parents. And it's something that I think brings the whole financial conversation and money conversation kind of into a full circle where they're learning it at school, but also the conversations going on at home. Definitely. I remember my mum and dad, neither of them went to university. And I think when I said it's based off of you, (laughs) they were like, what? (laughs) Yeah, so my parents had the same look on their face. And I think they just hoped I was doing it right. But I didn't know if I was doing it right. So it is a really tricky subject that I think is important to obviously involve everyone in when you're talking about it, whether you're a guardian or a parent or the student going through it. It's never it's never a good idea to try and do it on your own. Absolutely. So I've got some statistics that I'm sure will resonate with the students listening. So a survey carried out by the Office of National Statistics revealed 91% of students are worried about the rising cost of living, with more than three quarters of students concerned that the rising cost of living may affect how how well they perform in their studies. Despite the findings from the survey, universities across the UK are working proactively to help reduce the financial and mental burden being caused by the crisis with institutions offering a wave of comprehensive support. So I'm interested to hear your advice to students dealing with the cost of living crisis. How can they manage? What can they do to get extra support? And how can they save their money? Well, yeah, there's some statistics, aren't they? Sadly, they're not shocking. I think, you know, I've been doing this research for a long time, even before Ellen existed about what's going on. Why do people feel this way? And If you feel like that way at a young age, they say actually that you've developed your money mindset by age seven. So if you can imagine all the mindset characteristics you have are developed by age seven, by the time you're 17, 18, you've got another 10 years on top of that of real confusion around it. If it's not talked about in your family, possibly phobias around it, it can be a real like bone of contention for people. So in terms of the cost of living crisis, I would say for students, the best place to start is budgeting. So it feels like this tricky word that a lot of us are throwing about and it often means you can't spend as much as you want to spend. But I think that that doesn't have to be the case. What we mean by budgeting is just managing your money so that it gets you from one month to the next. The maintenance loan we talked about before, you said you get the nice lump sum into your bank account. Whilst brilliant can be really stressful as people don't know how to 
get that budget or get that amount of money stretched across what can sometimes be three, even six months for people, making sure that you have a list of all the things you're expecting so that you don't see that money come into your account and think, okay, that means I've got three grand to spend on going out. Brilliant. Because that's sadly not what it means. So the minimum amount of maintenance zone you can actually take on right now, I think is around three and a half K. So if you imagine you've got to spread that across your rent, so covering whether it's first year accommodation or your house when you're in second and third year, and then all the way through to bills and a lot of unexpected costs. So something I would say is if you are choosing to do a particular degree that might come with added costs like books or excursions, so going out for days, like I know, for instance, geography often has a lot of days out that are not funded. It is preparing for those costs. Don't just write down, you know, rent, bills, and then everything else as we're going out because you've got books for your course, days out, even things like insurance. I honestly think sometimes we forget about the things that are not that fun to think about, but are really important and can save us a lot of stress if items we need, like our laptops and our phones go missing or get stolen. Having that insurance can really save you a lot of heartache in the future for sure. I was about to mention TV licenses. Nobody told me that that was a thing. And I remember we had five of us in a house for second and third year. And I remember when we came to having to pay that and I thought, really? That's how much That's how much I've got to pay to watch TV. <laughs> yeah, I know. And also, I thought because I wasn't earning in first year that, and in second year that I didn't need to worry about tax. And then council tax came along and like, yes, you might get some allowances but sometimes not always and you have to review things like what does that look like for your district or whatever how much do you pay I yeah there was so many unexpected costs and I think I know this is not Mary like the cool thing to say around working out your cost of living life for uni but maybe having a chat with grown-ups around you it doesn't have to be your parents it can be you know your teachers and asking them what are costs that they have to pay every month that they didn't think about or they now do think about you know like we said council tax tv license insurance and beyond there are so many unexpected costs i think if we'd written a list or if i'd written a list in my first year i might have been able to like manage my money a little better because i think also with the cost of living crisis you really have to look at where you're going to uni and what are prices doing in that university area so if you're going so for instance like myself I went to a university in North Wales where costs were quite low to go out and other things were very cheap versus I had friends that went to university in the center of London complete opposite you're looking at really high rents really expensive travel costs etc I don't think I paid for a single travel cost at uni because everything was in walking distance (laughs) but that is not the case for everyone I went to university in West London. But to be fair, I was very happy that their bus system was, I think it was £1 or £1.50. And you could travel anywhere in that hour. So I used to go to the gym, get the bus to the gym, and then make sure I was in within the hour on the way home so I didn't have to spend another £1.50. So <laughs> every little helps. <laughs> That's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's one of those things, isn't it? We, we're more and more aware of it as a, like as the years go on. I think, it, like I said at the beginning, it's a real hot topic. But it is the reason it's a hot topic is because it is so important right now. With prices rising, you have to really keep an eye on what you do get. A couple of other things I wanted to see if you can offer some advice on. Bills. I had no 
idea how to take control of bills when I went to university. And luckily, one of my friends, you know, was the person that the bills came out of her account. And every month or every few weeks, she'd be like, you need to pay this much money. And then we all got faced with a massive lump sum because we hadn't been taking our meter readings. They thought we were using less than we were because our meter readings were incorrect. And then turns out we were using almost double. And then it was like, oh, time for a big, big payment. <laughs> that is so interesting. I think the house share dilemma when it comes to budgeting and money is a real interesting topic because not only does it affect what you need to spend out, but it can also affect your financial footprint. So bills are a real big topic for university students. As like I said, the financial independence has started and so you are in control or you need to be anyway. And not only can the bills affect obviously your costs, so your monthly costs, but it can also affect your financial footprint. So with bills, you can obviously make sure that you're not just paying the minimum and that you're paying like the full amount and the right amount and that you are doing your meter readings. There's loads of ways to view on YouTube online to like check how to read a meeting reading because I think that's a subject as well that we all just assume we were taught and we just never were. I feel like there should be a standard handbook that's like how to be a grown-up, chapter one, read your meters. <laughs> when I said that obviously it can have an impact on your financial footprint, well, when it comes to shared houses, I know I was one of them that we set up like a shared account. And when you share an account with anybody, you align yourself with them financially, basically, and it can affect your credit score. So when you are leaving university, do think about whether you still need that joint account or whether you can close it. Because if something happens to someone within your joint account, it can affect you financially, obviously affecting your credit rating. And also, if you are the person that chooses to pay the bills, be aware of how much responsibility that is. Because if you miss a payment, again, it can affect your financial credit score or your financial credit footprint for sure and you need to make sure that you are getting this money in advance so you can pay it and it's not all down to you so whilst it's a really obvious subject you think that everyone would be talking about it can also line into this like phobia of money and so we don't talk about it and then it all becomes like this like snowball effect of nightmare <laughs> but yeah I think the one thing I would say is just be aware that it's not just about the cost impact it's the financial footprint impact that those bills have on you as well. That's really interesting to know, actually. And also, I was going to add, I know it causes so many, I, luckily for us, it didn't. But I know if you're not necessarily best friends with your housemates, and you're getting annoyed that somebody's not turning off the lights, or they're using the washing machine four times a day, and you're not, and you're really trying to be conscious, there's the other added, I don't want to pay my quarter because I'm, you know, using way less energy than you. And then that's a whole other ball game. Oh my God. Yeah. Isn't uni a minefield? Like the psychology behind living with strangers. It's like your own mini love island. You're like just watching people's personalities unfold. And you then in first year, you have to make the decision who you're going to live with in second year so early that you can't really get a grip as to who these people are until it might be a bit too late. I think, yeah, by third year, I very much chose my flat on the presumption that the bills were included. <laughs> and so I was like, bills included? Great. I will take that because I do not want to have this like awkwardness of oh well you had a bath versus I had a shower like oh just no it, it that's a bit yeah there's so much other things especially going on in third year I think I had to put the priority list of bills included at number one <laughs> I do wish somebody told me that there were kind of bills included options because we did not have a bills included and we lived in the same house for two years. Luckily, they were they were my best friends and I'd gone to school with two of them. So I knew them all very well and we didn't have any of those arguments. But 
in hindsight, I do wish I knew that we could have got bills included because I think we'd have saved a lot of money and hassle. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame though because I think from like hearing about it, um, you from the next generation, like it is changing. Like obviously, landlords nowadays don't really want to do that because it doesn't obviously help them financially because it's very expensive right now. But I'm hoping that there's still some out there that might work in your favor and just look around, like shop around. Don't go for the first one would be my tip. I think, yeah, check, check where you're going and what else could be on offer. Absolutely. And I was also going to ask you about what do you think of part-time jobs whilst at university? Is it worth students considering that if they haven't already to help them out throughout the tough times now? Yeah, part-time jobs are great. I think you know, managing your own time is really important as well. You obviously are a grown up when you get to university and you've got to manage your time, money, manage your expenses. But when it comes to your first job, something I really try to teach, especially when I'm teaching years 12 and 13, um, so you're like 16, 17, 18 ages, is understanding your payslip, understanding how much tax you're paying. Yes, if you're employed by someone, they should do all of this for you. So they should all like basically pay your tax on your behalf and organize your payslip for you. But don't just assume it's correct. And if you are paying tax and you realize that within a year that you've actually not paid, you've not earned as enough to be paying tax, you can get tax rebates, which can be great. So don't just assume that it's all being sorted out for you. Like take a vested interest in your income that's coming in, whether it's part-time income or whether you are someone that you can even get a full-time job whilst doing your degree. Make sure that your pay is reflective of what you're owed and that you're not overpaying tax. And you definitely shouldn't be paying off, obviously, student loans if you're not even finished yet. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Is there any other kind of words of wisdom that you can offer to students? Words of wisdom. So it would be budgeting for your career breaks or your uh, gap years. If you want to take holiday in between university or you know you're planning for a gap year, please budget for it in advance. It is not going to pay for itself. And I think it will be a lifesaver for you if you can budget just a small amount, even before you go to uni, just putting little bits away into an account that maybe has a small interest rate. The beauty at the moment with rising interest rates, whilst obviously horrific for people with mortgages, the beauty is that savings accounts have got higher interest rates. Like I know some of the new banks have got interest rates on just general savers accounts of like two plus percent. And if you put just a little bit in those, you'll see some growth happening over time and it's passive income that you don't have to worry about. And by the time you reach that gap year or that summer break, you've got income to use. Whereas I think those times in between uni can be quite stressful trying to raise money to then get away and again, cause you some heartache that if you plan for might be a little bit less stressful. And then I would also just say consumer debt. As a student, please be aware of your consumer debt. Don't take out a credit card because it's offered to you. Be mindful of any debt you take on, whether it's credit cards or you take out a payday loan or buy now, pay later. So we've got the rise of buy now, pay later schemes like Klarna, which whilst offering a great way to spread your costs, people aren't always aware that they do affect your credit file, therefore impacting your credit score. They also can lead you into a whole host of worries that will stay with you for your adult life like whilst being at uni you will obviously 
if you choose to be taking on credit debt that will stay with you through your adult life it doesn't get cancelled once you leave university that's really important so if you take on consumer debt like a credit card please make sure you are using it sensibly and if you use schemes that again you're paying them off in full if you can because you don't really want to start like the adult life post uni with a whole host of consumer debt as well as student debt because that is a whopper that one whilst obviously I don't always like to think of it like a debt more like a tax but it's still a lot of money (laughs) agreed I completely agree whilst on the subject then I know whilst I was at university I was seeing people at home that weren't at university saving and I remember coming back getting into the working world the job that I'm in now and thinking hang on a minute these people are about to buy a house and I'm nowhere near that place but how can you know whilst you're at university if you choose to save some money what are the best ways to go about that in terms of have you got kind of a formula that you use if you you know you get paid and some people have that I I don't know off the top of my head but they you know they section it off and they do this much for savings this much for bills this much for them is there something that you advise people to live by yeah so formula would be lovely wouldn't it if there was a formula for success just input your income you know, times it by number and that is only amazing. I think, so we were talking about budgeting before. There is a budgeting rule that I teach, which I think is the easiest one and the most adaptable, which is the 50-30-20 rule. So the 50-30-20 refers to 50% of your income going into your bills and necessities, 30% into your nice to have. So that is living and having a nice time. And then the 20% is for your savings. So they're preparing for their buying a house in the future. What I would say is that even if you are someone that doesn't have a lot of savings right now, you can look at things like the Lifetime ISA. So a Lifetime ISA kind of replaced the Help to Buy ISA quite a few years ago. And if you you can open them with, I think, a pound and you can put money into it every single year and the government will top it up by 25%. So the max you can put in is 4K every tax year and they will uplift this by a thousand. So every year, if you put in the 4K, you would have a five grand in that lifetime ISA and you can use that to buy your first home. So there are a few criterias around it as well. So you have to have the account open for 12 months before you can take any money out. You do have to take it out for a mortgage. So for your first time home. So this is where it gets a bit restrictive. So whilst it's brilliant in uplifting your money for your first home, it can get restrictive if you don't use it for that. So if you decide, well, I'm not going to use it for my first time home, I just want the money back, they do take that out, those 25% uplifts back off of you. And the only other way you can get that money is if you wait for retirement, which can be a while if we're talking about this at 18. So yeah, I think something for students I would recommend is looking into options for their long-term future, like lifetime ISAs, because it won't harm you to set it up and just have it ongoing, keep an eye on it. But the sooner you start, obviously, the sooner it can grow over time for sure. But yeah, there is, I would say like word of warning when it comes to lifetime ISIS that if you don't use it in exactly the right way they want you to, they do take their money back and some. Okay, brilliant. That's great to know, actually. I wish I, I just wish I knew more when I was at university. And even now, I feel like I need to come on one of your courses and go back to school. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I do. So I teach obviously at schools, but I do teach beyond school. So I do teach at universities and some workplaces to spread the knowledge because you're right. It, it's something that's just so it's so underappreciated at how valuable it can be to change our lives. If we have just a tiny bit of financial confidence or financial literacy, it can make massive changes in our lives. And I think obviously with Rishi Sunak talking about in having maths taught until 18, I get the principle Whilst great, obviously, maths doesn't always equal finance, which is something else I like to talk about at schools because I teach a range of students and especially some of the younger ones in the like, year seven to 11, they worry that I am about to spread, like I'm about to teach them another maths lesson and they don't like maths, so therefore they won't like finance. It's not the same thing. It isn't at all. And I think making maths obligatory until 18 I don't know. It's okay. But I think what would have been better is if we said finance last few years that I can get on board with. Let's let's teach finance to everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there and I completely agree. You've dished out some absolutely fantastic practical advice today. Lots of tips and tricks. Remember to follow Abigail and Ellen on their socials. Do you want to shout them out quickly? Yeah, so my Instagram, Twitter and TikTok are all the same. So they are at Elent, so E-L-E-N-T underscore UK. And then you can find me on LinkedIn um, at just Elent, which is E-L-E-N-T. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, of course, as well, Abigail Foster. Brilliant. And I'm sure Abigail will be happy to ask any questions. I know she's got a brilliant TikTok page that, you know, provides a lot more depth. And I've seen loads of success stories from there. The girl who got her, her little rebate, well, not little. I mean, I wouldn't be complaining. <laughs> so plenty. Yeah, I also got a lovely message from Jess. So I, sorry, I interrupted you. But so there was this girl called Jess on TikTok. And she, I did a TikTok on reading your payslips and how to understand your tax code. And she sent me a message saying that she'd received £670 rebate because she checked her tax code and it was wrong. Contacted HMRC. And then I got a very sweet message from her this morning on Instagram saying that, she was so happy because she was getting married this year and that £670 meant that she could get a better, I think it was a wedding dress or something. That And I that was just lovely because this is why, this is this is why we teach finance, to put the money back into your pocket. Fantastic. Honestly, that's lovely. And it must be a kind of real, you know, buzz for what you do, getting the results like that. Definitely. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I've loved getting to catch up with you and hopefully I'll get to see you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Kira. This has been so fun. Um, hopefully I'll be back soon for sure. I hope so. Take care. Thank you. STEM Minds.